0: so aliens (laughs) so aliens that's a nice transition
1: (laughs) So please, I, I mean, just because I have literally no idea where you've gone with all—I mean, it's it's—it seems like our 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 roads diverged in a wood. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And although I think our brains, in in essence, kind of fall towards the same things that we're interested in. It's still, it's still so far from where I inherently remember you being.
0: You know, it's really funny. Um, I told you I was going through and listening to some. Older stuff, because there's certain, like, the I don't know if you remember, we had the one conversation about Singularity is Near, where we talked about um, sending calculations back into the past.
1: Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah.
0: <laughs> I don't, I'm, the, the whole episode's available for Patreon listeners, but that one part of the conversation, that's still something that I think people would find interesting in the new show. So yeah. I was looking for little nuggets like that, you know, like little five to at maximum. 15 minute clips where we were talking about something that number one, we both didn't sound like idiots when we were talking about it because <laughs> there were times that we talked about things literally out of the blue, and you can tell that neither of us were really prepared to be having the conversation we were having, which oh, is yeah. fine, yeah, yeah but, yeah, but I don't need to pull those out and go, Here you go, audience, check this, you know, listen to the two of us talk about something we don't know about, <laughs> but there were. Moments like that, where it's like, oh, this is a this is a topic that's on, it's on a topic that's on topic. I'm I'm being redundant, but you know what I mean. This fits, Mm -hmm. it's apropos for the content of the show, and it's a good conversation. So they will get something out of it. Yeah. Although my my whole perspective on the podcast is very different. Um, we'll go back to that. I want to answer what you were saying first. When I was going back and listening to those. I had a perception about those conversations that we had about the weird things that was actually not very close to the truth. Huh. I I thought that I was, number one, I didn't think they happened very often. And in fact, they happened a lot
1: mm-hmm. when we were
0: talking about that kind of stuff. I remember both of us being far more cynical. But in going back, we really weren't. Really? But there were there were moments where I would catch, um, maybe not the same time, but there were times where we were almost be like hedging ourselves. Mm-hmm. You know, like, oh, I don't want to sound like a weirdo here, even though we're totally going down that road and totally interested in what we're talking about. It's almost like we were doing it for social protection. You know what I mean? Yeah, you know, like for, sure. for example, in one of them, you would start to get weird and you go, I don't want to sound like a weirdo. And then you'd get weird <laughs> yeah. or or I would say not that I believe in woo woo, and then I would talk about woo woo for like ten minutes,
1: <laughs> oh man, yeah, so yeah.
0: I, I just I think what's interesting about it is that our perception of our cynicism on those things um is more artificial than it actually was. Huh, the truth of it funny. is actually that we're far more interested and open to it than we thought we were, mm. What was the thing that I said I was going to go back to? you remember?
1: Oh, my God. <laughs> well, I guess we're right back into where we were. Oh, I know. Um, the direction of the show. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: In the sense that uh, this is something I've come to very recently. And I've been, I don't even remember how I got to it. its I've been through so many different things now. I don't actually articulate my thoughts to other people very often. So, like, it's, it feels like shoveling <laughs> to go back and remember <laughs> where thoughts came from because I mm-hmm. just keep piling stuff on my but what I really do with the show now is it's literally for me mm. because I found out that the I asked myself I'm like why am I doing this and it was because I felt like in order to read this stuff and to go through this stuff that I'm fascinated by I felt really passive to just read it That I wasn't forcing myself to articulate it actually made me start to understand, and you know how the brain works, you know, you're you're built like I am. Like the more we cogitate something, the more that we become able to understand it, both, you know, believe and disbelieve, you know, like to be able to understand Mm -hmm. the process of it. So I started to realize that the podcast, especially in the solo form that it is, it's really just, it's a focal point for me. It's a mechanism for me to learn. Oh, interesting. So when I go into the episodes, I really don't give a shit whether anybody wants to listen to it. It's literally, I'm creating an audio record for myself. So it's like a notebook. Yeah. So pulling things from those old episodes, it's like, oh, I want to preserve this. Because my you know, my chances of going back and listening to the full one hundred and thirty something episode archive of the other show are slim. But if I can find little nuggets to put into my feed for myself, cool. When I wanna you know, like if I want to go two weeks and I don't have anything to say, I don't put on an episode. I wanna do four days in a row, I do because I mean my numbers have just plummeted because of the change, but I don't give
1: a shit. <laughs> Uh fascinating though. Like in a weird kind of way, it feels like you've always headed towards that. Mm-hmm. You know, like now thinking back through the different iterations of the show and what you've said about it all along, um, even in bits and pieces where you were describing what it what it was to you, I feel like it was always headed this way.
0: Well, what I didn't understand was the context of what I was doing. I think and for a while I definitely got lost in the whole Wow, podcasting is fun. Maybe this podcast can be successful. Mm -hmm. You know, like maybe I can do this for, you know, make make money doing this or whatever. Yeah, Uh, but I I lost the context of what I was actually doing. You know, like why am I reading this? Why am I talking about these things? Why am I doing these things? And it's to understand them better. But why do I want to understand them better? And what I had to actually come back to, you might be surprised that I forgot this was to be able to write books. Huh. So, <laughs> once I realized I'm like, oh, that's my ultimate goal, then I was like, I don't give a shit if anybody listens to podcast. Then, mm-hmm. because the podcast is just a tool for me to get the goal of what I really want
1: to do. So, wow, crazy. Yeah, that's a that's an interesting leap. I didn't know. I mean, I, I could kind of sense some of that just from some of your social media presence. Like, it, f- it felt like you were headed back in that direction, but it's weird to hear you vocalize it.
0: It's just, yeah, there's just a, a moment of, like, social media presence is, like, n- nil again right now because it just, I'm not interested in it. Yeah. I'm just tired of people listen, listening to, on Twitter, people whine, and then on Instagram, people trying to, you know, whatever, front. Yeah, yeah, sure. And it's just, it, and then no, no judgment of the people. It's just like it was a noise for me. Mm-hmm. It was distracting. I and mean, I realized I'm like, even if I'm only giving this an hour a day, I can yeah. be doing something better with that hour.
1: Like writing a book.
0: Exactly. And that's what I've been doing. I've actually been scheduling myself in the afternoon. I'm, I'm doing for the first time, I'm, I'm trying to do nonfiction.
1: What? So, really? Huh. Yeah. Because I, I was half expecting, considering where this podcast has gone, I was expecting that you were going to head back to Charlie.
0: I have a little bit, but I think right now that just needs to sit. I need to get something else you, out. I just
1: plucked that name out of my brain. Like I haven't thought about that in so long. <laughs> That's good. That means the name is
0: fitting. That it just yeah. it belongs.
1: But yeah. Uh,
0: yeah, I think I wanted to, I wanted to do some nonfiction. What I, my my ultimate goal is to. There was a format that I that I played around with on the show a little bit before I got into um, what I was just talking about, mm-hmm. where I was presenting information about a topic and at the end asking critical questions about it.
1: Yeah,
0: I actually want to take that format and make that into my book format. Oh, so instead of instead of trying to do you know like uh, back to aliens, you know, you said so aliens. Instead of trying to do a book about uh, abduction, I mean, sorry, an episode about abduction and fit (laughs) this massive amount of information that there is into like an hour, maybe two-hour episode, Mm -hmm. and ask critical questions at the end. I can do a book on that, and then pull the critical questions in at the end. Oh, sure. It's the scope of the book is more fitting to the size of the topics, whereas. I can do with the podcast is just there's little, there's little things when I'm reading where I'm like, that's not part of a book project, this little idea here, but that's interesting. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of what, you know, like um, I did an episode about um, essentially about how the senses are not as reliable as we think they are. Like the, there's a part in The Singularity is Near where Kurtzfeld talks about how what we actually see is only a hint or an outline of what is actually in the visual field. Sure. It's a that very might- slim
1: band. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh,
0: yeah. He calls it, he says there's twelve, ten 10 to 12 movies that the eyes record, and all of them are res- low resolution. So one is only picking up contrast, one's only picking up uh, edges. He says, so there's so much more information there, he says, but we will never know what the full information that there is because we could, he doesn't go into this. I assume what he's insinuating is that we could never build even a device capable of doing that because we wouldn't know how to do it because we don't know what isn't there.
1: Yeah. And even from that perspective, um, I, I don't remember, I God, it's weird. It, it is weirdly synergistic. Some of this stuff. Um, I forget what I was reading. It was about a week ago and I was reading about how our perception of what the senses are in and of themselves is so rudimentary and so wrong. Our perception of the five senses, for example, um, even that idea is like a century old and it's wrong. um, you know, our our understanding of what our senses of is just so elementary, rudimentary, and just incorrect. Um, like I mean, there's that one shrimp that, that was given in the example that I saw um, that sees um, a color spectrum that's about seven thousand percent larger than ours.
0: Oh yeah, they talked about that, I think, on Radio Lab one time.
1: Yeah, exactly. And and it, like it can see infrared like all the way up to like UVC B or C or something like that. So the Jesus. what that what that freaking shrimp sees is so much broader of a range. And then they were talking about um how a platypus um maps its world through electromagnetic signals that it pulses from its bill. Jesus. Um Yeah. And so like, I mean, the platypus can literally swim through water at high speed without ever opening its eyes. And that's based on a very complex radar system that is hundreds of millions of years old. And how all creatures, um, given their lineages through the, the evolutionary chain, retain aspects of all of these senses because we all essentially come from the same genetic pool at the very beginning. Um, that there are are certain aspects of our sensory organs that we have no understanding of. And it's not because our sensory organs aren't capable of perceiving these things. It's that because of social training or because of evolutionary time, um, we've learned to ignore the signals that come from them or, um, we, they, they've become dormant, uh, due to lack of use. Um, and it's even that one thing about like humans only use seven percent of their brains or something stupid like that. I mean, it's such a weird, like how how do you engage that? You know, how do you measure that? Um, so some of our our weird colloquial understandings of how our 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 bodies and our our bodies perceive the universe is so weirdly skewed um, and so elementary that it's almost to the point where if we really want to start understanding what we're capable of as a species, we kind of have to start from scratch.
0: Right. And I think that's my whole, that's part of what led me into being able to approach these topics from like a serious place. Because I realized I'm like, hold on a minute. We're operating as if all of this shit that we know is absolute. Yeah, sure. We um, don't, I mean, that's, yeah. <laughs> you know, like uh, the example I gave in the same episode where I talked about the eyeball thing is the black swan thing. Mm-hmm. It used to be considered stupid to think that there was such a thing as a black swan. Sure, but there is. There's a whole. There's. It's the Cygnus atratus. They're in South Australia. They're all black swans. Yeah, and then they started breeding them into the white swan population. So now they're all over the world. But people were uh, operating on the assumption, not even the assumption. They were operating on the arrogant belief that all swans were white, even though they hadn't seen every swan in existence. And that's like. I think that one of the things about scientific perspective in the popular sense right now, especially when it comes to cynical things about, you know, ghosts or aliens or whatever, is like, oh, that's stupid. That can't exist. How do we know? Yeah, we can't. We we literally, science is incapable of disproving anything.
1: Uh, I don't know about that. I just think, I just think that. I think that I think that it has to work much harder to disprove things. I think that we can't ever disprove it though. We'll never
0: we'll never know if we have all of the evidence. Yeah. But but you can can operate as if something doesn't exist and you can say I've found no evidence that this existed, but you can never say that this absolutely cannot exist.
1: Yeah, but that but that means that we live in a world of absolute chaos, though. We do live in a world of absolute (laughs) chaos. That that's definitely true. But the, the, the point I'm trying to make is that you have to at least be able to make some reasonable assumptions, even if you know that they can be disproved later, because you need a you need a framework by which to share a reality with other people. <laughs> of course. Yeah.
0: My my point is that we use the term like, oh, that can't exist. Like, no. The term should be there's no proof that that exists.
1: Yeah, or as far as we know, with what we have, that doesn't exist. Sure,
0: especially when we talk about in space being infinite. Mm-hmm. You know, like I was putting out this metaphor to somebody the other day, or maybe it was just in my head, which is probably more <laughs> likely. Um, <laughs> but if I if I give you five playing cards face down, and I tell you that one of them is the ace of spades. What are your chances of flipping over a card with the ace of spades? 1 in 5, right? Yep, 20% sure. If you get to flip over all five, what are your chances? 100%? Exactly, because you're going to flip it over, right? You're going to flip over all five cards. Yeah, sure. Well, if, if if the ace of spades exists, you know, as a representation of a possibility, right? If there are infinite cards and you can flip them over, and you can flip them all over that means that everything has the possibility of existing
1: and now you're starting to unravel the core concepts of quantum theory
0: yeah quantum theory is very popular with people in this realm by the way
1: and and not only that but there there are now plenty of people talking about how how some of quantum and how some of string theory is is needs to be greatly refined too as well but yeah no that's 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 essentially the the premise behind Kind of. I mean, I'm not a physicist or anything like that, but right. I mean, that, at least from what I understand of quantum theory, that's one of the core edicts of, of quantum theory.
0: Yeah. So when you when you put forth, like, okay, we we rely on our senses as our verification of truth. Even sure. when we when we defer to scientific principles and so forth, those are based at their core in the senses. Sure. We we not we may not be able to calculate the the distance between Earth and the Sun ourselves, but we trust that the person who did the calculation, we trust them. You know, it's a by proxy of their senses. Mm-hmm. We're saying they did the work and they actually saw the numbers and they actually did it. So it's still rooted in senses. So if we can't trust the senses one hundred percent, and if infinity is the, really the limit of space. And if there are possibly limitless, you know not limitless, we'll just say completely unseen dimensions
1: mm-hmm.
0: beyond the four that we know, then there's absolutely no way that any of these things are completely ridiculous.
1: Well, I mean, it, it, yeah, but if you think about it from that, perspective, then there are quite a few things that we can't even make assumptions on. For example, um, as, as we understand it, gravity is still, as a concept, that is still not that old in the scope of human history. And our understanding of gravity as, as a, a force in the universe is so rudimentary. <laughs>
0: oh, yeah, gravity, <laughs> and, they don't we're, really-
1: not even, we're not even talking about time yet and how time and gravity work together. And that's the fabric of our universe. And we barely understand well, time. Well, gravity
0: is the snag in quantum theory. Sure, absolutely. Yeah. The reason quantum theory is not the theory of everything is because gravity doesn't make sense in quantum theory. Yep. Like, um, that doesn't work here. <laughs> what is um, it? It doesn't, that? they literally don't know what gravity is. You know, I was just yeah. reading something the other day. I need to read into it more because it was like a passing thing. But they said okay. that if you actually do the the calculations, the moon doesn't make sense either. <sighs> That the, the moon should not be able to be in the orbit that it's in. That, hmm. there's, that there, there are mathematical problems with the moon. And this wasn't from one of the stranger things that I read. This was actually from a science article. Sure. So you take something as fundamental as gravity and something as fundamental as the moon and go, well, we don't understand those. Then how are you going to tell me that it's not possible that, dead people stick around or that people are visiting from other planets.
1: Well, the other side of it too, is that, you know, and and this goes back to the sense thing that you're talking about is that we measure the universe in very human terms. And I think that's a huge mistake. Um, like understanding, understanding even something like the moon, for example, um, in the scope of a human lifetime is not something that, that is really that measurable. Because the moon could not could be totally impermanent. Like in a hundred million years from now, the moon might go spinning off out of its orbit and like eventually to the point where it's no longer tidally locked to the Earth and just go launching itself into space. And even though for us a hundred million years is a long freaking time, in the scope of the universe, that's a blink of an eye, man. Oh yeah. And so, like, even, which is the reason why, like, I still hold firm to this. And I hope one day when I run for a political office that this comes out and everyone goes, see, he's a crazy nutball. Um, <laughs> I still I still thoroughly believe that human civilization, as we understand it, is a lot older than we than that's we realize. So
0: that's one of the conversations that I was re-listening to that I was going to cut out and put into I'm an episode. So, I'm so convinced by that. You well, know, there's um, more and more evidence mounting every day that that's true.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, and if you look at if you look at a lot of the, the the evidence of of certain impact craters that we're still finding, by the way, that are freaking massive, um, I mean, there's there's a very strong possibility that the you know even from the the perspectives that we go back in myth and legend when it comes to the scope of human history and religion and everything we understand about the world as we understand it and and how human beings came to be, um, there's a reason why all the cre- creation myths are inherently the same. <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, you know, have you? See, have you ever heard of the Coral Castle?
1: Mm, wow. Why does that sound so familiar? I feel like I've just read that recently. If you have a computer with, I mean,
0: the, if you can pull it up right now, pull up images of Coral Castle.
1: Because I'm, I'm this
0: dude, this old dude, <laughs> built this thing out of this quote unquote castle out of coral by himself. Whoa. And what nobody knows dude? how the fuck he did it to this day. Jesus. They have all these theories. They're like, oh, he used pulleys and levers. And they're like, sure, he could have used pulleys and levers, he said. But in order, some of the ton, some of those are like nine ton rocks, solid yeah. rock. They're wow. like, in order for him to be able to do that with a pulley and a lever, his pulley and his lever would have have to have been 350 feet high. This thing's incredible. And to I don't know if it shows you the spinning door, but there's a there's one door. I think it's a five ton block of coral. And it was spinning on one ball bearing.
1: Yeah, that's like crazy. You,
0: you could go up and touch it with your finger and it broke, I don't know about, I don't know how many, how long ago. I'm going to say like 15 years ago or something.
1: Jeez.
0: And they had to bring in a crane to pull the block out to try to fix it. And they tried to fix it and they put it back and it they couldn't get it to work the way he did. So like wow. they literally don't know how this guy did it. And along I'm, those same lines, by the
1: way, check out the, uh, the antichambers above the uh tombs in the great pyramid. Oh yeah. Those huge blocks of stone, they're like how did yeah, they those get those up there? 15 ton granite, perfectly cut 15 ton granite stones, yeah. Oh, yeah, they're so um
0: shoot. I think it's Gilbeckley Tempe, but I'm not sure. Oh, I've heard this. <laughs> where the stones where the stones are put together, but they look like the stones were like almost like melted.
1: Yeah, where they they look like they were fused, yeah.
0: Because they're so tight. Mm-hmm. You know, like they say, like you can't fit a piece of paper between them, and that's bullshit. But they are really
1: <laughs> perfect. Well, a <laughs> really, lot, of, really a lot perfect. Of, but a lot of the estimation on that is that at one point or another they were tighter. It's just erosion and time have have mm-hmm. you know. So, so at one point, I think there was one guy I was uh, whose report I was reading on it who said that at some point um, there were a few of the stones that were microns apart. Jesus, like where you literally could not get where you're squeezing like molecules through there.
0: <laughs> so insane. There's a, I, I have a book saved about the coral castle. I haven't read it yet, but it's written by this guy who's, he's actually on the autism spectrum. Mm-hmm. So he, and he's a, he's mathematically minded as well. That's his, that's his, his form of autism or his superpowers. I like to call it. He's just really good at math. Um, and he became obsessed with the coral castle. And he's he's high functioning, so he can he can write books, obviously. So he started like digging into the guy left like these pamphlets. He wrote pamphlets, you know, like we would call them short books now, but you know, at the time they call them pamphlets. And he had written these two pamphlets that were just like completely nonsensical. Mm -hmm. And this guy just like went through them, and he started over time started to understand. Kind of what this um, skull skullman, I think, is the guy who made the coral castle Lee yeah. Skullman. Um, he started to understand what he was saying, and basically, if the guy was correct, it rewrites our understanding of magnetism and electricity <laughs> and gravity.
1: Mm.
0: Like, and it's, I, I haven't read it, so I can't really talk to it. But it's very interesting because if you take it in the context of the things that we were just saying about like those three examples, what if that's true?
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> what if what if you are able to manipulate gravity? Maybe the reason that gravity doesn't work in quantum theory is because we don't understand gravity correctly.
1: Oh, I fully believe that. I, I fully too. believe that we that we don't understand time or gravity. Um, outside of a theoretical model that is horribly incomplete.
0: Right. Well, you know, the thing that always puzzles me, do you remember this from science when they say, like, if you drop a feather and you drop a bowling ball? In a vacuum, yeah. That they oh, they fall at the same rate.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Well, somebody was trying to argue with me at one point. It's like, they both hit the ground at the same time. I'm like, no, they won't. <laughs> because, it, first of all, we weren't talking about a vacuum. The, the person I'm talking about... Mm-hmm. But they didn't understand the difference between rate and speed. So oh, sure. when I when I think about when I think about the difference in those terms, I think about how we understand gravity. I'm like, what if, you know, like what if our understanding of gravity is the equivalent of assu- assuming that rate and speed are the same thing? Sure. And then when somebody goes, no, actually, and shows the diversion and the path, all of a sudden it's like, oh, well then I can lift this block.
1: Well, there's, there's also the understanding of, of time in that same sense, like time as a concept versus length of time and how, and how length of time differs depending on your perspective or vantage point.
0: Right, like um, speed, light speed travel. Yeah, and so exactly. Forth.
1: Like, or, or if you're close to, you know, the, the theoretical models of, of you being close to um, something with such a massive gravitational pull that time operates far slower for you. And there's physical evidence that that happens. Um, so time is relative. But if time is truly relative, then that means our understanding of the entire universe has to change.
0: Yeah, then our understanding of the entire universe is relative then. Because That's right. That's it's, right. it's one part of the equation, right? So once you, once you make one part of the equation variable, the whole equation becomes variable.
1: But this is the reason why we need a framework to operate with in order to have a shared experience that makes sense. Because if all of a sudden we all accept that time itself is relative and we are in some big trouble.
0: <laughs> right. Well, what you have to what you have to do is it's not a matter of of accepting the fact that things aren't absolute. Sure. Doesn't mean operating without rules and assumptions. The problem is is that we make these assumptions as if they're absolute and we never leave the door open for any to for them to be disproved even though that's the core basis of science.
1: Even something that's provable, we can't accept. Um, for example, the the belief that there were only, what, two to three million um, indigenous, the indigenous population of North America was only two or three million. I mean, I remember reading that way back in school. Um, and now our understanding of it is that there was at least 30 to 40 million, and that's still not really taught by popular science, even though most scientists accept it as, as being absolutely true. Um, like even something like that, where there's actual evidence that, that, that disproves the old rule, we still can't let go of our old rules. And that's, and that's not even talking about something that has an incomplete theoretical model um, for which we have no current evidence yet. Like, for example, we still have no idea really how time works, and we don't have any reason to believe that we will understand it anytime soon, but we still operate under an assumption that our model as we understand it is the absolute model. That's crazy.
0: That's arrogant, and, and then yeah, and then and it's not even that we operate that it's that it's true. That's it's the arrogance, like you said. It's that we make fun of other things that challenge it. Oh yeah, because, that's
1: true. Yeah,
0: you know the assumption that 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 well we've we have the right answers like that's not the way things work. The questions are supposed to remain open. You know, I have a book, that, another book that I have yet to read, um, that challenges the theory that we all came from Africa. Because this apparently, this guy says he says if that's true, then how come everybody doesn't have that DNA strain in them? Sure. He says the one that people he if, if
1: I I think I've remember read this correctly. Thing. It, I it, think I've read this thing, and it's part of the reason why. Yeah, another notch in my thing for believing that humanity is much older than than we believe it to be.
0: Well, and also he's he says the one that if I remember correctly, the one that, strand of DNA that does seem to show up in everybody is actually Aboriginal.
1: Yeah. So yep. his theory is that everybody point. came from
0: Australia, not Africa. Yeah. Which, I mean, pretty drastic difference. But then when you actually take Pangaea and put it all back together, not really that
1: drastic of a difference. Because Hey, by the way, take a look at all of the different versions of that supercontinent through the Earth's history and it'll fascinate the crap out of you. Mm-hmm because it's not just pangaea. Pangaea was the first or at least the biggest landmass that we understand, but man, it broke apart many different ways and at many different times throughout the the history of the earth, which is not surprising. Nope.
0: Honestly, say oh we we took a system and we we came up with a really easy model and found out it wasn't easy. No yeah. shit. Really? <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, like man, I like it already. I like being back, Chad. You have no idea. My entire <laughs> life has been dealing with finite things like the EDD and and oh, we should do this every month
0: at least yeah. um just to like at least for our sanity
1: yeah
0: i need i, I need to be able to talk these things out too because <laughs> i get lost i get lost in my own head where i don't even know like oh i don't know sometimes i i feel like i'm on a different planet sometimes i don't mean like crazy
1: but i mean just
0: like isolated
1: yeah sure there's also um Speaking of, um, I just recently watched a bunch of random stuff and read quite a few things about how the Sahara, um, used to be a lush and vibrant landscape.
0: Interesting. Mm -hmm. You have
1: to send that to me. I want to see that. Yeah, it's interesting. And, and a lot of the physical evidence that, um, I point to when it comes to the age of human civilization, um, is actually from that area. Mm. Hmm. How hilariously unexplored it is because of some cataclysmic event that happened in human history um, that rewrote the, the the history of that area um, in such a way that there was a massive time gap between um, what it was understood as as a lush environment and where it is now, which is this barren dead area
0: yeah, I think there's, there's all these we take these assumptions. So often they're like, oh, this is barren. It must have always been barren. Nope. That's, that's dumb, especially when we're know. talking about moving continents too.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, and how yeah. 0. 0.000 degree difference in the tilt of the earth can dramatically change the climate for hundreds of miles.
0: <laughs> right. You know, the more you start playing around with these thoughts and, and stuff, you start going, you
1: look at some of the loopier theories out there and you go, maybe
0: that's not that crazy. Sure. No.
1: Well, I mean, like I, it's, I don't think, and I don't think any theory inherently is loopy um, in the sense that th- there's, there's a reason why I don't believe that the earth is flat for example is because there's empirical evidence that proves that it isn't um, but that doesn't mean that at one point or another I didn't at least ask the question of course the earth isn't flat but it's not flat because we have physical evidence that proves otherwise you know what I mean right. but that well, my, mean that my one thing is
0: we can't see the ice walls
1: mm.
0: So apparently you know like the thing that's The theory is the thing that stops things from flying off the end is really tall ice walls.
1: Yeah, that's crazy.
0: if the Earth was flat, you could see really far because there'd be no curvature to block you seeing distances. That's right. So if you got close enough to the edge, you would see the ice walls. Yep. So, but once again, dude, tomorrow somebody falls off the Earth. Guess what? (laughs) We have to rewrite the whole rules.
1: Yeah. Or if somebody discovers a massive crater, like the one that they are currently exploring up in Scandinavia, uh, then we may have to rewrite the uh, the understanding that we have about extinction events on this planet. Mm-hmm. There are now estimations that um, there are far more extinction events that we, than we are aware of, only because we haven't found the physical evidence for them. And not all of them come from cataclysmic uh, impacts. Um, quite a few of them come from things like climate change or the shifting of the magnetic poles or whatever it may be that, you know, um, dramatically changes um, the way our planet works. Um, You know, the one thing that we don't realize on many levels is that there, so there are two things, right? The first thing is that um, um, ecological models are extraordinarily sensitive, which means if you introduce Any number of changes, like if you look at the environment in Australia, for example, simply introducing rabbits into that ecosystem completely shattered it. Oh, yeah. Um, And we're not even talking about a temperature change. So the the one thing that we make the assumption about is that, you know, it's it's got to be some asteroid from, from outer space that comes along and completely smashes um, into the world and causes a nuclear winter that then kills off everything. No, I mean, there's, so the two assumptions, the two assumptions that we go, go by are that one um, ecosystems are pretty robust. Nope. That's not the case. Ecosystems are remarkably fragile. And number two, which is the more important one, the assumption we can make is that life is incredibly resilient.
0: Right. Just think about, you know, the the extinction level event that they assume was the crater that created the Gulf of Mexico, right? Yep. Say that wasn't an extinction level event. It still would have created huge migratory changes for the animals. Of course. And that completely changes entire ecosystems overnight. Not to mention what it
1: probably did to the fucking ocean. Can you imagine the waves? Oh, sure. And that did the sea life? Not only that, can you think about how because of um, the heat generated initially, you have a bunch of polar ice cap melt. And then because of the cold that follows, you have a refreezing. So you now take take any glass of water that you have, um, put ice in it, and then pour boiling water into it and see what happens. Right. Not to mention Same all idea. the
0: all this stuff from the bottom that's broken up and now is part of the water. Absolutely. Changed- the yep. ph balance of the whole ocean ocean yep the yep. dust and and the ash in the air what that will do to all the plant life i mean just but not instantaneously like some of those changes could be hundreds of thousands of years changes
1: yep so it's like like a crater we're talking about in scandinavia um they are now estimating it's about 13,000 years old and what's there's the a one w- in russia oh the i uh, forget the name of it
0: it's like a G, uh, I think. I'll look it up right now while you're. Yeah, it's the one interested.
1: that's uh, the one in Siberia, I believe it was.
0: Yeah, let me look it up. What was? Yeah, one? but I
1: mean, even even the asteroid that I'm talking about in Scandinavia, in Greenland, I believe it is the upper the northwest coast of Greenland. Thirteen thousand years old. Um, the hu- the 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 history of humankind is about ten thousand years old. There's a weird correlation there. Yeah, it's
0: again, okay, damn it, Bataglia. That's not what I was looking for, Batag. Geica, crater that's not the one i was thinking of
1: no i know Tung- what you're talking Tung- about. tunguska it's not tungusta that's what it's i was tungusta? thinking of though.
0: okay i was thinking of tunguska got it i don't think that's a huge crater but it was a it was a meteor event
1: mhm
0: um actually you know what i i i'm sending you an image right now on your phone <laughs> tell me what this image looks like to you when you get it This is something I've been waiting like four months to talk to you about. (laughs) (laughs) Ah,
1: God. Okay. What does it look like? Ah, I don't want to see that. What does it
0: look like? There's no, nobody else can see it. What's it look like?
1: Oh, Jesus. Um, it looks like one of the grays, man. Okay. That's not a gray. Oh God. But it looks like one, right? Freaks me out right now. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for that. Thanks for the warning, dude. It's not a gray, though. It's that's it's one of the few things I have an irrational fear about. Okay, that is on. supposedly an,
0: an, an Asian spirit. Um, so this is why I've been waiting to tell you about it. Oh, God. It looks like a gray. It definitely looks like a gray, except for it has tiny eyes instead of very big eyes. Mm-hmm. Um, but you, for anybody that's actually listening to this, Lamb, as you can tell from that reaction, hates the grays. terrifying so this is going to trip you out lamb in 1917 alistair crowley claimed to have made contact with an unearthly being okay they say unearthly and the thing that i pulled up other people think that it was an asian spirit of some sort i'm assuming chinese um if i remember correctly and he channeled things in communication with this and this is a drawing of that spirit that he communicated with. Okay. As you say, looks like a gray. Mm -hmm. Many people believe that this is the origin of the grays. Some people, some people believe that the story came, you know, that the way that they looked came from this, you know, Mm -hmm. that that there never were grays, but like the hysteria came out of this. Other people believe that when he made contact but he opened a doorway and then that's the doorway that they walked through. Mm. But here's the thing. Do you know what the name of that creature you're looking at is? No. Lamb. Are you serious? I'm dead serious.
1: Oh man. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not even, you are so connected to the Graze, It's not even funny. (laughs) Know what to, and you know, what's really weird about the damn graze. I have absolutely no idea why i'm terrified of them yeah you know like i'm not scared of much man like i'm not scared of monsters i'm not scared of ghosts i'm not scared of any of that but for some stupid reason like just the sheer image of that popping up on my phone right now gave me the chills the likes of which i can't describe to you
0: and how does it make you feel to look at it now and know that
1: it has your name weirder you know, what's, you know, what's weird, weird about that though, is that it makes me feel connected to it somehow. Right. And I don't know how to reconcile that feeling. <laughs> and that's part of the reason that I
0: made the point of saying that some people believe that it wasn't an unearthly creature, that it was an Asian spirit. Mm-hmm. And you being Asian, I thought was a very interesting connection as well.
1: That is freaking weird, man. Okay.
0: Yeah, that's really weird. strange. That, so, that maybe, on so many
1: levels. I don't even know what to do with that. Jeez. Maybe
0: your preternatural. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go a little crazy here and really stretch this out. But maybe your preternatural fear of grays is actually blocking you from the connection that you actually have.
1: Or maybe it's the reason. Um, it's it, maybe my my connection to it is the reason I have the preternatural fear. Yeah. Who knows? Both are very possible. God, that's freaky. God, I can't even look at that. But it's so weird. I need to delete it from my phone. I can't even look at it. Like it freaks me out.
0: It's so weird that it has your name.
1: Oh God, it's so weird.
0: <laughs> it doesn't when you really look at it though, it doesn't actually look like the grays that much. It has a big head. That's it.
1: Um it it can. Here's here's why I think that it can. Um because I think a lot of what people assume about the greys i mean now we're talking purely theoretical i'm not saying i believe in aliens here's here's that protecting thing protection thing again. no
0: one's no one's gonna hear this publicly so we don't yeah. have
1: to do protections I, either way um so i you see the lumps in, in just above its eyes like that that mm-hmm. large lobe they almost I look like there. eyes yeah i get the sense that in the dark um you you could mistake those for eyes
0: or maybe if you were wearing a helmet of some sort.
1: Yeah, or if they're wearing goggles of some kind, some kind of eye protection, you know. What like I'd some like some to shoulder. know
0: is, what is that thing on top of its head?
1: Oh, God, who knows? All right, It's I'm hearts. Those up. are hearts. I'm going to look at it again. Those are hearts on top of its head. Yeah, sure.
0: Is that like a hat? Or is that something emanating from its head?
1: Or is that a... Uh, I mean, if you look at the way their heads are shaped... um Maybe our concept of what the heart is is based on that image. Maybe the, I don't know, man. The body looks like a vagina though. Yeah, true. Holy Which crap. Is strange. Yeah. Yeah. Jesus. Yeah. I I've been sitting on that for like five months. Man, that freaks me. I can see why you waited. I mean that's I, I assume that's probably the reaction you expected. And
0: I, I talked about this when I when I did an episode with this guy, Jim Perry. And I told him that I had that. And he's like, oh, what did, what did he say when, he, when, I, when you told him about that? I said, I haven't told him yet.
1: The <laughs> patience is shocking. I don't know if I could have stopped myself. If I, if I knew the connection and I knew the name of the damn thing and it was named Chad, I don't know if I could stop myself.
0: Oh, yeah, it was hard, but, but I, knew, I couldn't bad. text it. It wouldn't have had oh. the impact as a text. No,
1: no, you got to say it. You did it the only way you could. <laughs> oh, my God.
0: So weird, terrible. right?
1: That is so freaky to me. Oh man! When you wow, wow. this is this has been this episode has gone so differently (laughs) than how I thought it was going to go. It's
0: a completely different thing. Yeah! Wow! This is just for us. That is bizarre, man. I keep looking at the screen, wrong screen. I have two computers, and I keep looking at the wrong screen. (laughs) Like, like how's the waveform form pattern doing? Oh, wrong computer. Oh, so yeah, that when you said so aliens that was it was in the back of my head the whole time <laughs> while we were talking mm-hmm. about other things it's like i don't forget to tell them this time don't forget to tell them
1: that is so crazy man yeah that yeah. blows my mind i don't even know what to do with that that knowledge now it's very strange it is i very think strange.
0: this is this is why this is why i find these topics so fascinating to me is because one little thing like that hmm all of a sudden, your relationship changes. Sure, Because if you let your overly critical, cynical mind, if you let it be in control for too long, it would completely discount something like that, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But the fact that a little thing like that can actually alter your perception, there's there's a value in that of some sort, even if it's just a psychological value. Mm -hmm. of learning the limits of the human brain. You know, like to be able to contemplate these things, you actually stretch your brain in a way that I don't think even science can stretch your brain.
1: Yeah. And I think that there's, there's, there's an aspect of this that we really, that really gets to me that, that, that I'm not even sure how the hell I'm going to articulate this properly, but there's, there's something in, in wonder, you know, Um, which is weird because this, this, it, I feel like the, the podcast comes full circle when we talk about stuff like this. Um, in, there's a reason why philosophy and science are so inherently linked. It's because you need the creativity. You need that sense of wonder, the ability to ask the question in order to conceive of the question that might lead you to an answer.
0: Right. Well, you know, it's only a recent thing that
1: science is completely divorced
0: from the unreal original scientists were alchemists they were witches you know like there was a supernatural or a preter not preternatural but a supernatural or a paranormal aspect i wouldn't know not i don't want to say aspect partner to science that no longer exists and i think that it's actually detrimental because having that partner to ask those strange questions, I think is what pushed science forward. Sure.
1: To be able to, to, sure.
0: to be able to look at the moon and go, what if that's not what if that's not stone? You know, like somebody would ask, what if that's hollow? All oh, the gardeners are here. How how loud can you hear that noise? Mm, barely. Okay, good. Because I know this is a good microphone. It's really loud for me, but as long as it's not super loud for you, then we'll keep going. I mean, don't get me wrong. I can hear it, but it, it, all, I don't care. In yeah. Like I said, not for public, but, but yeah, I think that there's the separating those two has become detrimental. And like, there's part of me that, like, when I first started doing these topics, I wanted to go big and, um, you know, hit like the big topics. But what I found instead is I've actually been edging my way in where it's like, okay, well, this isn't, too crazy of an idea, but let's, you know, like I did one on, um, there's a small section of Liz Gilbert's book, Big Magic, the Mm -hmm. section she actually named the book for, where she presents the idea that she believes that ideas are actually living entities and they actually move from person to person looking for a partner. Mm -hmm. There's a really great story to go along with it. So I'm like, that's, first of all, I didn't expect a topic like that to be in this mainstream book on creativity. Yeah. So like not a huge like jump into the craziness, but it was an edge into the topic. And I found it, I find it more interesting to being, to edging in. And I think that that's, it's different than most people will go straight to aliens. Whereas I'm, I want to, I'm, you know, like questions of new age and stuff like that. You know, like positive thinking; those sure. aren't too far stretches. But I, I think I've been finding those a really good place to start.
1: Well, and, and 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 like the thing we were talking about with the indigenous population of North America, we do have empirical evidence of some of these things. Like I have it in my own life. You know, like for example. Um, I work for the government and I'm working for the government during a time of pandemic. And I will tell you now that the stress that I feel has definitely had a, a, a tangible effect on my physical state, you know, and it's very clear that that's happening. So there there has to be something to that. There has to be something to the, and if, if, if a negative feeling can affect you that way, a positive feeling can do just the same in the opposite direction. Exactly. and not only that but i mean i look around at you know the so i have i have the tug and pull on both sides of that which makes it inherently complicated which you know i also help to to do a lot of activism stuff and some some nonprofit stuff and there's a tangible positivity that comes out of that too as well. And it replenishes me. And that's and it clearly helps my physical state in that direction. And not only that, but from those groups, there there, there are so many, for example, like one, Orchard City Indivisible, we have our meeting once a week and we're in our 11th week now of doing virtual meetings because we decided, screw it, we're going to carry on. And I, I can't even tell you the number of people who are saying that that, that meeting defines their, their well-being that they feel better and more positive and healthier and and more connected because of that. So that's a tangible representation of how that positive feeling and, and you know, you know me as a person. I'm I'm a pretty black and white, uh tangible, sciencey, um uh, skeptical human being. But that but I now I see such clear indicators that those things actually have a very tangible effect on our physical world.
0: I've, having gone through all that period of severe anxiety that I went through, I okay. know it's true for a fact. But what's what I've found very interesting is reading stuff about um, magic and witchcraft. There's okay. these, these assumptions that they are these crazy things. When you actually start reading about it, most of it is not really different than setting attentions. Mm -hmm. It's literally, like, it's actually not even very different than prayer. Those three things are fundamentally the exact same thing. Sure. There's just, there's outward manifestations of them that are different. You know, like where you do it or what implements you use to do it. But the actual mechanisms when you get into the people who are explaining what's going on
1: are the same. You know, it's funny. I don't think it's about mechanisms. I I think. I think it's about buy-in. And oh, totally. And I, That's the mechanism. Yeah. And, and That's exactly think, it. And I think that, that the buy-in becomes the critical part um, in the sense that, like, for example, I'm, I'm not a religious person, so religion wasn't going to be my buy-in. You know what I mean? But right. whatever framework that I used in order to create that buy-in, to create that unrelenting belief, that unquestioned belief, is what allows me to feel those things in a way that has such a tangible effect
0: right there's that's there's a concept <laughs> there's a concept that's really popular in the mysterious the paranormal right now which is that buy in when when it comes to experiencing strange things you actually have to buy in first sure that they find that you know i, I think that's self-explanatory i don't need to get didactic but basically you have to believe in it to some degree first. In other words, the door has to be open. And that makes sense to me. You're know, like, oh, why don't you see UFOs? Because you think UFOs are stupid. So you've closed yeah. the
1: door. And your brain is gonna take whatever that you be take whatever you see and convert it to whatever reality you believe in. Sure.
0: Exactly. That's why I think, you know, like uh look at Slender Man, right? Slender Man is fake. It was made up. Yeah. We we know the origins of it. It was a, a a fictionalized folklore story Mm -hmm. and then it became something that people started to believe in because they didn't know that it was fake right you know they there's that uh, documentary on hbo about those girls that tried to kill the other girl little girl yeah yeah because they believed that they were doing it for slender man yeah now there are reports of people actually literally seeing slender man and that makes sense to me because it's like, yeah, the belief brought it into existence, sure there's um there's a book called the science of of Getting Rich, which is like terrible, terrible title for what it actually is, but it was written like in the early nineteen hundreds or something like that
1: so, so the, the the clickbait version
0: <laughs> no, it's just I think that those words weren't they didn't necessarily. Science wasn't as, as strict a word mm-hmm. then as it is now. And then getting rich was just like I don't know. I think that the, the word rich didn't necessarily connotate monetary wealth at the time either. Mm-hmm. But in it the, one of the core principles is that there that the world is made out of this substance. Um and these are actually like the words he uses, like it's like unknown substance or something like that. And that thoughts are the focal point of those, you know, things become real through thought and they bring it from that substance. And it's a really weird, it's, it's it's an archaic way of talking about it in the sense that like explaining it like that doesn't make as much sense to us. It sounds like what substance, you know, like, but they were playing with tools that they hadn't, those topics weren't talked about as much as they have been. Now we have better vocabulary for those things. Sure. But if you take that idea of there's this energetic possibility in the world and that thoughts can manifest that, then it starts to make all of the strange things in the world make more sense. Like, why why does this look like this to this person and this to this person? Well, part of them is part of the thing that's creating it. Sure. So you're getting individualized. You know, like, why, does, why aren't the grays consistently look the same? Maybe because they aren't actually extraterrestrials.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: That was John Keel's argument. He called them ultra-terrestrials. Mm-hmm. He believed that they were beings from another parallel universe, I guess, would be a way to say it. And that the reason that things were different every time is because part of them was being co-created with
1: us, with our mind. That we are manifesting part of their appearance,
0: right? That in order for them to fully come into our reality, they don't have everything that it takes to fully come into the reality, so they need us to finish it.
1: Well, I feel like you can even do that with historical things. Think of how how defined our ideas of of how dinosaurs look or how they sound, right? Well, you this, know,
0: yeah, you take the idea of like even just think about the fact that like, we have no idea what's right or wrong with that. We just found bones. Yeah. For all we know, you know, they could have human skin, Mm. that kind of skin. We don't know. But when you take, when you start taking these ideas and you you start filtering them through that, it starts to change the way that you face reality yourself to go, am I choosing all of this? Like, Am I really choosing for this to happen?
1: Are we Stranger. going? Are
0: we going determinism now? No, I. I mean, in the sense that um, are you for, are familiar with Alfred Adler? A little bit, yeah. So he was a contemporary with Freud, but he was not a. He was actually his beliefs were contrary to Freud. Yeah. Um, so his essential idea is that we choose things. So, um, for example, you get get mad and you blow your top. In Freud, it would be because of something in your past or whatever made you unable to control your emotions. And you lost control. That's what we say, right? I lost Mm -hmm. control. I lost my shit. Alfred Adler says that doesn't make sense. He says, because if we all walked around unable to control our emotions, the world would be really different. He says, in fact, he says, trauma doesn't exist. He says, we choose what the meaning of things that happen are. So, for example, I blew my lid because I lost my temper. Adler would say, maybe you lost your temper because you wanted to blow your lid. Like you wanted to exert control in that moment over that person. So you chose anger and you created the anger and then used the anger to be able to achieve your means of blowing your lid.
1: I think, I think both are true in their own way, but sure. Like, I don't think, I don't think think one or the other is the defining characteristic. I think, I think our past definitely dictates a lot of how we choose, but I do believe in the choice thing. Um, Like, you know, dealing well versus dealing badly making a choice within a moment based on something you've seen before. Um, or experience before. I definitely believe that there's both components in that to a certain extent.
0: I've been placing less and less emphasis on the meaning of the past. Because the more I learn about the brain, the more I learn that I have no idea what the past actually was. Mm. And it's, it's literally, we know for a fact that we're continually rewriting our past that you and I could recall something that we both went to and something very recent and we'd still have divergences. And that's not actually because of what we used to believe, which was, Oh, the memory just degraded. It's not that degraded. It's that we've changed it. Sure. So how are we, I don't think we should be so confident going forward in making choices based on the past when we're not even clear what the past was.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's one of the reasons why if you ask any prosecutor or defense attorney in the world, they will tell you that the least, weirdly, the most, the the thing we rely on most and the thing that is least reliable within the the scope of a court case is um, witnesses.
0: Oh, yeah. Eyewitness testimony is by far the least valued and least weighed you could have fifteen people witnesses something witness something and no physical evidence and the person would still get away with it. Sure. Because of the fact that like it's just fifteen eyewitnesses. Mm-hmm. And you know that they're all gonna have different stories.
1: But that's a fairly recent thing though in the criminal justice world. Even up until like maybe a decade ago, there was a lot of weight put on eyewitness testimony. And in some cases there still is.
0: Well, yeah, when you go back to the witch trials eyewitness testimony was almost was more yeah. important. Absolutely. Actually, if you, if you dreamt that somebody did something back in the time of the witch trials, that was acceptable testimony. Your dream. Yeah. That's crazy to think about. That is crazy. Like I dreamt that you were sleeping with my wife. Therefore you were sleeping with my wife. That's insane. But that was, that was acceptable testimony. Jesus. Yeah. So I, I think that that's that's part of and one of the things when I when I'm reading like a, right now I've been reading a lot about Mothman and there's a lot of conflicting testimony in Mothman and one of the things you know obviously one of the things I keep in mind is the possibility of you know, the co-creative aspects of this stuff that you know that like maybe it needed something from each of them that's why they all saw something different but then I also keep in mind they have no idea what they remember. Mm-hmm. I think they do. Just like I think I do. Just like I think I remember where this conversation started. Now, <laughs> one of the differences is I have a recording. I can go back and and that's that's going to be an interesting thing going forward in the world mm. is that we are going to have records more and more records of everything. Sure. And I wonder how that is going to I mean, how would you feel if you said you didn't go somewhere and then all of a
1: sudden there's a video of you being there? Oh man, have you watched The Outsider yet?
0: Oh, yeah, of course
1: i don't I don't know how I would reconcile that, right? What would you do if you were Terry Maitland? I would go there.
0: Which might be the worst thing to
1: do. <laughs> of course, of course, that's the worst thing to do. Well, let's say let's say there wasn't a murder trial. Let's say I wasn't on trial for murder, and there was just a video of me in a place. I would go there to see if I would have to question my concept of reality, and I would have, I would have to go there. I would have to experience that place to make sure that I don't have I I didn't have that experience before.
0: You know, I can tell you from personal experience, has happened to me once. Ugh. Uh, Not that uh, there was a video of me somewhere, but there, that people saw me doing things that I don't remember doing. Mm
1: -hmm. And that's when I was in
0: college and I blackout drunk. Sure. But I was blackout drunk for like two hours. And to this day, I don't remember those two hours to this day. And like, this is, it's, 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 I went to get something to eat the next day. I knew yeah. I had been drunk and but um went to get something to eat and I was sitting down with my friend and this girl comes and sits in the booth with us and starts talking to us mm-hmm. like she knew me. <laughs> I'm like, who the hell are you? You know, like I don't know who she is. And she's like, So you're still coming by later? I'm like, Sure. Huh. She was cute. Um so then she leaves and I look at my friend who I was with the night before. I'm like, Who is that? And he's like you don't remember? I'm like no. And then he proceeded to tell me the story of how I met that girl the night before, and how I had gone into her room and sat on her lap, and all of this crazy stuff. Don't remember it.
1: Wow. And to this day, it still bothers me. So yeah. You, so here's here's my question: Did you then create that memory in your own head visually?
0: No. Oh, visually? Yes, of course.
1: But just yeah. the way that I would if you told me a story about Robin Hood. Yeah. But you're the character in that story. How do you reconcile that? So you are Mm -hmm. now a character in a fictitious story in your own brain.
0: It's not that difficult in the sense that, I don't know if this is normal or abnormal, but when I remember my memories, I don't remember them from the driver's seat.
1: Mm. Interesting. Yeah, I kind of don't either now that I'm thinking about it. Weird. Huh, that's trippy. I never even thought about that. Chad, you still there? Chad? There we go. Oh, what happened there? It muted me. Huh. wonder why that happened.
0: I don't know. My hand wasn't even anywhere near the computer. Very strange. Strange that it would do that when I was about to make a strange cool. (laughs) We're getting into strange territory. But why is it that why is it that we don't remember things from the driver's seat? You know, you'd think that
1: maybe if it, I walked into it, it, a room, I would see my hands, like, you know, like when you're playing Doom. Yeah, but maybe 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 that's unique to us though. Maybe it's because we're we were writers or filmmakers or whatever the heck it is. Maybe creatives man, I hate using that term because I think everybody's creative in their own ways. And I think that, that 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 term gets thrown around way too loosely and far too liberally. Um, I believe there are plenty of artists, by the way, who are not creative at all. And I think there are plenty of people who are not creative, who are, I mean, who are not artists, who are very creative. Um, so, but even if
0: it's individual to us, it's still strange. It is. Yeah, that's true. Because yeah. we are remembering something from a perspective that we never saw.
1: Yeah. That's true. You know, I never, I never remember things first person. That's weird. And I'm not on ground level either. I'm above a little bit. Oh, bizarre! I always remember yeah. things from ground level.
0: I'm like in the corner of the room.
1: Oh, weird! I'm definitely moving.
0: Yeah, I mean, it moves. But generally, like if it was like if I was remembering you and I having coffee, it'd be up above like a camera. Mm. Very strange.
1: I don't, know why, I don't know why, but the first memory I got. Popped into my head was a fight that I was in when I was in elementary school. And I remember it from almost like a fight scene in a movie. I'm looking at it from watching it like from an audience perspective.
0: That's very strange. Weird. Very strange that we have that ability because it doesn't make sense.
1: No, it doesn't. Yeah.
0: Because we shouldn't be able to remember a perspective we didn't actually see. Yeah. So either we are manufacturing. We're writing over our actual memory with a manufactured perspective or we're actually seeing things from two perspectives at all times. Or more than two. You know, like what if there's an over-self?
1: Well, what, what about this? Um, that we see infinite perspectives and the only one we understand is the one in the moment that's first person.
0: Yeah, that's completely feasible. I had this weird... You just reminded me of something. I have this weird realization the other day. So I've been reading this book on yoga. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: And uh, one of the exercises he suggests, he says, for a meditation, go outside and sit in front of a tree and just make your mind realize that like what you're breathing out, it's breathing in. And what it's breathing in, you know, like you're breathing out carbon dioxide, which it breathes in. And it breathes out oxygen, which you're breathing in. So, that, like, there's a cyclical movement of mm-hmm. air between the two of you. Yep. And just conceptualize that. And he says what you usually find is you'll find a kind of an affection for the plant because of the, you know, the symbiosis of the situation. Yeah. So, anyways, I was sitting there and doing the same thing, like, just trying to, like, essentially I'm looking at this tree and I'm in my backyard. And I had this realization of time because I'm, I've always had this. I've always had this belief that it might be possible to move through time using your consciousness.
1: Mm.
0: Because if time is not linear, but we perceive it as linear, if you can break yourself from the perception of that linearity, then it might be possible to move through it just like selecting cards in a deck, right? Sure. So I'm looking at this tree in the backyard and it hits me. This tree has been there since 19, at least 1976, which is when this house was finished being built. Now, obviously at different stages of height, but as far as like the size it is now, it's pretty much been the same size since the eighties since probably like 84, you know, it's just been pruned every year, but it hasn't gotten any bigger. Mm-hmm. So all of a sudden I had this realization of where I'm standing, that everything around it time-wise has changed, but there's one focal point that is unchanged in all of those timelines or all those moments of time. And that's this tree. And then I started wondering, I'm like, is that the trick? That you've now you have this focal point. We use the present as our focal point to hold us in time, right? So that we don't just flutter off. But if you can let go of the present time and hold on to something else, which would be something that's been consistent through multiple through a period of time, mm-hmm. then your your mind can hold on to that tree instead of holding on to the present moment.
1: So then I wonder if that's the case, if that's what, what trauma is to us, is that we hold on to the wrong moment in time because of a tether that we have in the tangible universe that we believe will never change within that moment. Possibly. For Adler,
0: for Adler it would be that we have chosen a version of ourself mm-hmm. and that we, the way that we translate that pain because pain is real, obviously, pain happens, right? Yeah. We, the way we translate that into a trauma is to achieve the means of being the person that we want to be.
1: Oh, that's a good point.
0: Which I definitely think is true. You look yeah, at that's
1: definitely true. I can, I can, t- just from my just ended relationship, not, not, I'm still currently in one, but the one, my past relationship, I can definitely see that being true. Is that you do the things that guarantee you will be the person that you believe that you are, even if you only right. believe that subconsciously. Sure.
0: Wow. Yeah, even, if, even if you're making yourself into somebody you don't actually think you want to be. Jeez. Right? Yeah,
1: that's so crazy. like um
0: like his his example is he says, here's a good example. He says, a mother is about to yell at her child. She's angry. She's about to yell at her child and the phone rings. And she answers, you know, she's caught up in the heat of her anger. She's about to rip into her child and she answers the phone. It's the neighbor. Oh, hi, how are you? Not angry. Mm -hmm. has a normal conversation with them, hangs up and jumps back into that anger. Sure. She's choosing it. Sure. She's manufacturing it. This is something that Tony Robbins talks about a lot too, is we choose our states. Yeah. So it's like you're angry. We're like, okay, well, you're holding on to that. And to some degree, it's definitely true. You can find when you're angry about something, you're usually running a tape over and over in your head. Yeah. To keep yourself angry. So it's interesting when you, when you connect those two at a time, isn't it? Freaky. This is why I love reading about this shit, because it makes me think in ways I normally wouldn't.
1: Yeah, it's, you know what's funny is having conversations with you about this stuff helps me to connect dots to things that I don't normally think are related. Um, like it, What's weird is when you're describing the tree metaphor that you were just talking about that you read in the yoga book, I then had the opposite reaction in a weird way in the sense that I thought, what if time is the only linear thing? You know, what if, what if nothing else we perceive in the universe is linear except time? I don't know. What what do we perceive as linear? That isn't time. Um, I don't know. Other than a line. Gravity.
0: Is gravity? Uh, linear? I don't think gravity is linear. um, Consistent yeah, but not know. linear.
1: Yeah, consistent but not linear. Yeah, you're right. I don't know. But what? But what would it mean for our concept of the universe if time wasn't linear? Right. That 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 messes up a lot of stuff. <laughs> well, it definitely it definitely changes a lot of our perception of ourselves. Like even even if we understand that that. The concept of time itself is different by perspective, even from the perspective that we're describing time itself is linear
0: you know, yeah. the thing that you I think what ultimately what it would challenge is free will, yeah, because if I were able to move back and forth, chances are I probably wouldn't be able to change anything. i just re-experience what already happened, right sure, so then what would the difference between re experiencing something in the past and not being able to change it, what would the difference between that and the present be?
1: Well, then we go back to the concept of determinism. Was the choice that you made always the choice you were going to make?
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm halfway through Sam Harris's book on free will. Yeah. And there's some interesting stuff in there about how free will doesn't really have a good argument for it.
1: You know what's funny? Is that I think in the long run, the small choices, there's some aspect of free will to it. But like, for example, with where I am right now, I believe I was always going to be here. Mm -hmm. And it's the first time in my life that I've had that feeling that strong, like this is exactly where I was going to be.
0: I think it's something that, I think this is why people as they get older tend to go back to religion. Mm. Um, because it starts to feel, dare I use the word, is things start to feel like there's a plan.
1: Mm.
0: You know, for example, like I look at this for the questions doing the podcast I'm doing now. Yeah. It relates to so many things from my past that it looks like, of course I ended up doing this. Of course I did. Everything in my life was pointed towards yeah, it in some pointed, degree. Pointed. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Weird. And it
0: wasn't even something that I could avoid. And then you go, holy shit, does does that mean it's faded?
1: Mm. But, or, if it's, or if it's just evolved or changed.
0: Um, that's but, but I think that, that that's why I find Adler so interesting.
1: Right? Because yeah, yeah. he
0: says you can change. Mm. Because you just reinterpret things.
1: You know what's really crazy to me through all of this though? Is how we always end up finding each other again. Yep. That's very, it's, it's It's very romantic, Liam. It's, (laughs) but it's, it's weird regardless of how many bizarre twists and turns we take. And regardless of what directions we end up going, we always find a way to connect this point again somehow. Yep. It's very weird to me. Like I think about the last three conversations we've had because, you know, we've done podcasts few and far between over the last few years and how different. Each of those conversations has been not just in style, but in topic, but we always end up back here somehow. Yep. Weird.
0: It's definitely, it's definitely our connection. Yeah. Like, it's like, I think about, um, I have you, you, I'm sure you have them too. There are friends that you have in life, obviously not podcast conversationalists. But you know, like friends that you don't see for a very long time,
1: mm-hmm.
0: but the connection never gets weaker.
1: Yeah, it's true. You definitely. know, I, I think
0: about um, my friend John, who I've been friends oh. with since freshman year of high school. McCullum. What's that? Who McCullum? No, McCollum is. Um, I've, I haven't known him that long, but McCollum's definitely on that list. Yeah, you know, I don't. I don't talk to him every day, but. For him, and my, it's like picking up a conversation or like the best example is my roommate from college who actually remembers me (laughs) blackout drunk the night I just mentioned. (laughs) We talk maybe like sometimes we'll go like two or three years where we haven't talked, Mm -hmm. but we'll call each other on the phone and we have a conversation. It's literally like we are back then. Yeah. It's just like, boom, we just there's no awkward start. It's like we're just back in it. And that's a connection. You just yeah. have that connection.
1: Yeah, that's like true. There's, and there's, I think that there's something to that. There's very, there's very few people. I I feel like I have that with though, which which is probably the way it should be. Well, not should be, but probably the way it 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 was destined to be. Because building that kind of connection, or having that kind of connection, is probably more rare right. than, than we understand. Like I, I think of I think of who that is to me. Like with Brittany. Bowen, for example, I I could go six months a year without talking to her, but we reconnect and it's like we never left, and it's very weird that that happens. And it's and it's not even on a ha ha we're friends and we're cool kind of level. It's that we just understand each other in a weird way. Yeah, there's no no gap develops. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's that's like
0: I've I've redefined my definition of friend recently Mm -hmm. because I think that. Um, Actually, until we had this part of the conversation, I would say that friend to me before, you know, recently before, not historically before, um, would have been people that are actively involved in your life. Mm -hmm. But now that we're talking about this, I don't think that's true either. It's people that that you have that connection with.
1: There are facilitators in your life, but they're not necessarily your friends.
0: Yeah, and I have, or there are people that you like. Mm Mm-hmm. But you're not actively involved in your life. They're acquaintances.
1: There may even be people you don't like sometimes that are your friends. I can think of one off the top of my head right now. (laughs) (laughs) I love him to death, but there are times where he pisses me off to high heaven. But (laughs) but, And I think you know exactly what I'm talking about, too. Um, Yeah, probably. And and strangely, we always somehow reconnect on a very weirdly deep level. Somehow. Don't know why. Have no idea why. And it, it actually slightly annoys me. <laughs> oh. ah, that's weird. That is super weird. That's weird to think about. And it's bizarre because, um, you know, we did a, our meeting thing last night and he popped on out of nowhere without telling anybody. And I've been having the most stressed out week of my life because we found out my girlfriend found out she may not have a job. So she has to move very <laughs> suddenly. Um, and so I've been trying to do a full-time job for the government. I haven't had a day off in two months and I'm stressed out about moving out and all this kind of stuff. And we had our meeting, which was, I was already in a bad mood going into that meeting. And then he came on and I suddenly felt way better for no reason. That's weird. Yeah. And, and I, and I, 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 and I could a moment be, of that connection, it, exactly. It's so, it, but that's, that's, um, that's one of those, like, it makes me feel like you can't choose that connection even. Like, the people you connect with that way, you just find, and they just become that in your life. Well, there's um,
0: something that I've been uh, listening to on some podcasts recently. I have Mm -hmm. yet to read about it. I mean, I did read, ironically, I did read one book about it previously, and you and I did talk about it briefly in an old conversation, but past lives.
1: Mm.
0: You know, like, like, why am I connected to this person? Yeah. Hmm. Don't know, but like I'm not sure what I think about that stuff, but when I hear these stories about those things and I think about that connection, I'm like, fuck, that is a damn good explanation. It it's might weird. not be the right one, but it's a damn yeah, good explanation.
1: It's, 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 like I mean, even with this person that I'm talking about, I mean literally we'll and frank, fr- let's let's call him Frank, sure. Like literally 95% of the things that I'm doing in my life right now are a direct result of my friendship with him. Yeah. Unequivocally. Like, I mean, and that's and and that's me being annoyed about the fact that that's, that's true. Um, but it is 100% true. And somehow, regardless of what happens in the universe, we always find a way back. And there was a period of time where I didn't see or talk to him for like eight years. And somehow when we got back, we got right back again. It's so odd. Ugh. <laughs> okay. That that bugs me. <laughs>
0: <laughs> maybe he was your father in another life. Who knows? I don't know, man, maybe. Or I don't
1: know. You know,
0: know what I think about with hmm. this with these kind of theories? it hit me the the other day. It's more fun to live life thinking that these things could be possible.
1: Yeah.
0: You know, I think about like the the very my my peak of my cynicism. Mm-hmm was also the peak of my misery. Mm. The fact that, you know, like, well, like isn't it kind of cool to think about, like, what if that's true? And then to just, just, like, give yourself the, the rope to think about that. Like, okay, well, who could, you know, like, just to even to fantasize about it. Like, who could that person have been in a previous life? Maybe he was my boss and he murdered me. You know, like, weird <laughs> shit like that. But it makes life more entertaining. That when you look to the sky and it's possible at any moment that something could be there, isn't that more interesting than looking to a sky and just going, wow, that's a lot of empty space?
1: Well, I think something that we've established over the course of doing the hundreds of hours worth of podcasts that we've done, um, and we prove that with every time we have a conversation about any of this kind of stuff, is that wonder is healthy.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. I think it's I think it's beyond healthy. I think it's necessary.
1: Yeah, it's needed the soul withers yeah. without it. I, I agree. Yeah. The and mind that be, withers without it. And that might be part of the the reason we're in the situation we're in in the world or in in American society is because we've lost our sense of wonder. We don't look yeah. to the stars anymore, you know. We don't look up at the sky and wonder what's out there. Right. We're, we 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 sit mired in our our horror of the the reality that we've created for ourselves and we don't think of what could be Outside of it.
0: Well, worse than that, we sit mired in our arrogance.
1: Ah, true. Yeah, I'm right. Assuming we know what the world is and what it's all about, sure.
0: Exactly. I'm right. Therefore, these people are bad people because they don't believe what I believe, but I know I'm right. Yeah. When in reality, none of us have a fucking clue about anything. (laughs) And the dog just looked at me when I said that. (laughs) You're not in trouble, buddy. I'm just talking to Lamb. He's very sensitive.
1: Yeah, he seems that way, whether he likes it or He can read
0: my tone. It's really weird. Mm Because I'll be playing a video game or something, and I'll mutter under my breath, you know, like, motherfucker. And he'll get up and move across. (laughs) (laughs) And I have to go over to him and, you know, tell him, like, I'm not talking to you, buddy. And then try explaining to a dog, like, I'm not mad at you. I'm not, I'm mad at this little pixelated person on this screen (laughs) right Uh that was him licking the microphone
1: oh geez I was wondering what the hell that was I was actually going to guess that that was that was, that was what was happening that sounded very licky
0: licky sounded very licky <laughs> yes I think we need to make this a regular thing
1: I agree yeah this was very this was very cathartic in a weird kind of way yeah yeah it feels like coming home <laughs>